You're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. We're here today with Chris, Pat, Don, and myself, Denise. And we're going to be talking about nonfiction. Are we ready Yay. to talk about nonfiction? And it's not going to be as boring as you might think. So <laughs> stick around for this one. <laughs> well, there's a way to gear yes. up the audience. Nonfiction yeah. is not boring. No, it is not. It's not. We're not talking textbooks. And we're not talking cookbooks. Right. And well, we could, we but could. we're not. <laughs> cookbooks and gardening, you yeah. know, we're going to do something different. Yeah, we so. are. So I think we've got all kinds of... I think we do. I think we have all kinds of things. A lot of really sad things. Yep. Over here, y'all. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Well, not just you. I see some other things here and there, so... All right. Who wants to start? Yeah. Dawn, why don't you start with that on top? Okay, so we are, I've got this book here, Who Would Win? And that's a series of uh, animal versus animal. So this is really good for the kiddos to get them interested uh, in nonfiction and learning about the animals. So this one is whale versus giant squid. Who would win? And what's the answer? No spoilers. No spoilers. No, (laughs) we can't do that. Um, so yeah, you'll have to read the book, <laughs> and it's a quick read. No, but it's got a lot of fun facts for the kids to learn about the animals. So um, it's talking about dinner. Sperm whales eat giant squid, squid, stingrays, octopus, and fish. Hmm. hmm. Guess that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and spoiler. And Sorry. <laughs> Whales win. Things that are not whales. <laughs> they obviously don't eat whales. Hmm. Do they? But what does the giant squid eat? Baby whales. Right? <laughs> oh, but the whales. <laughs> oh, there's a picture of Moby Dick in here. No way. Well. Not the real Moby Dick. <sighs> it is the real Moby Dick. <laughs> Famous See? whale. The real Moby Dick? Like Famous an actual legends. photograph of... <laughs> 20,000 leagues under the sea. I don't think they have the technology of of the real Moby Dick. (laughs) The the real one in that book of fiction. (laughs) Yay. All right. So there's a whole series of those, like grizzly bear versus tiger versus lion. And, you know. Yeah. I always look at them when I catalog them. They're really interesting. Yeah. (laughs) They're fun. Get a quick little bit of information all right so. we got any other right. animal things you got any animal things chris denise no i don't think so not no. that i brought with me no, i got a couple of animal things since we're since we're on animals well i got more than a couple um so the book club the book experience book club is reading we'll be discussing next tuesday no wait never mind the book club just discussed <laughs> A Street Cat Named Bob by James Bowen. And this is a book about this guy who's on the streets of London. He's a, he's a heroin addict. He's trying to get his life clean, but he doesn't have a lot of motivation. And then this 
this street cat just adopts him. He just won't go away, and James starts taking care of him, and it kind of turns his life around because he find, he decides he has responsibilities, and and he just decides that, that taking care of Bob is kind of his life's work. That's what he was meant to do. So he gets his life clean. He gets off the drugs. He makes sure that he gets out and... You know, has a, a a job so that he can make enough money to take care of Bob and himself. So it's kind of an uplifting story. There are some cynical outlooks on it out there, but um, kind of a kind of an interesting sort of uplifting story. <laughs> Another one I've got is William Stolzenberg's Heart of a Lion. This one is not quite so uplifting. This is one that the book club read last year. Um, it's a lone cat's walk through America, and it's based on a true story of a mountain lion that made a 2,000-mile journey across the continent, across the country, from like the upper Midwest, winding around all over, and finally made his way to the Atlantic coast where, spoiler, he was hit by a car and killed. Oh. But... So did they track him? <laughs> yeah, they tracked him by right. spore and people seeing him and all kinds of things. It was just the most fascinating thing. It's it's not an uplifting story because he's dead. Right. <laughs> but it is a really interesting story about the United States and kind of kind of where mountain lions live and how they live and and that kind of things because a lot of the places where people found him or found evidence of him are not your typical oh we have mountain lions here kind Mm -hmm. of places Mm -hmm. so that was kind of interesting to read so there's a theme here yeah with the feline family yeah i was thinking about dewey oh yeah dewey the library cat right yeah so anyway nonfiction book That's true. It is a true story about Mm -hmm. an actual library cat. Yes. Somewhere. In in Iowa. Iowa. It was in Iowa. Oh, okay. And that's how I knew about it because somebody had given it to my husband to read Uh, because he's from Iowa. Oh, okay. And yeah, so. Well, that's cool. It was very cool. Okay, my other one is not a feline. And I haven't actually read this one, but it's one I want to read. I just haven't gotten to it. And now that I'm looking at it, I think I'm going to put it in my pile to take home today. (laughs) It's called Wooly, the true story of the quest to revive one of history's most iconic extinct creatures by Ben Mesrick. And it's about the woolly mammoth and projects to kind of do a Jurassic Park with the woolly mammoth to, to kind of back dna clone a woolly mammoth and that's that's what that's what i know about it why would you want to do that well why wouldn't you want to do that i mean obviously they're cool if you yeah and they're furry right and and i don't and we don't have any and i don't foresee them going berserk and eating not like (laughs) jurassic park yeah exactly this is not a velociraptor yeah but if it gets mad if it gets a little angry i would not want to be in its path no you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be in its path but i mean it it's i don't know i haven't read it yet but i know it's about (laughs) genetics and it's about we could couldn't we but kind of you we? know that kind of mm. thing and and maybe that's part of it too <laughs> yeah but ben mesrick is is the guy who also wrote um 
The Lost City of the Monkey God, which is about um, an archaeological team and, and a journalism team and some other people who explored in the densest part of the jungle in, oh, good grief, I can't remember the name of the country in South America. But it's, it's one of those countries where the political regime changes all the time, where you've got to get permits to go here and there and everywhere, where some of the most dangerous vipers and so forth live mm -hmm. in this dense jungle. But they, they think they, they found um, the source of this ancient civilization that was even richer and more widespread at one time than the Mayas or the Aztecs. Hmm. And this is in kind of, uh, I don't know my South American geography very well, but it's kind of nor, nor, it's not Brazil. Never mind. It's maybe south, just south of Brazil, a country there. Anyway, it's really dense jungle. Nobody's ever explored it. And these people go there and explore it. And, that's what it's been called in legend is the lost city of the monkey gods. So that's that's oh. where. Anyway, Ben Mesrick is that guy. Hmm. He wrote that. He wrote the book called Twenty One or something like that about the MIT students who who hacked the the Las Vegas gambling all that. So mm -hmm. he does a lot of. He's a journalist, and so he does a lot of just digging into a story. And so he's the one who wrote Wooly. So, yeah, based on and, the other book that you talked about, that does sound yeah. like it might be pretty fascinating. And, and I know he's gonna, going to have done some really interesting research, and a lot of that's on genetics, which mm -hmm. is something that I'm really interested in. So, yeah. anyway. Wow. What's that? Yay. Okay, well, I have something else on animals. Okay. It's worms. Really? That's animals? Well, it's a living creature. <laughs> it's a living creature. Okay. All right. That's and not it's people. not a human, right? <laughs> <laughs> So we'll just get it out of the way. And it's a graphic novel. Ooh. It's called We Dig Worms, and it's by Kevin McCloskey. Okay. And it's just fun. See? All the pretty pictures. Oh, we see them. Yes. <laughs> we do. I'm showing it to everybody here. <laughs> Let's see. Worms do important work, and it shows them under the ground. Worms are cool. It says, my poop is good for soil. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worm talking? What? Oh, my goodness. Talking worms. And I don't know. You've probably noticed from past podcasts, but I like worms. <laughs> vermicomposting yeah so we do that here at the library and we dig worms and that's yeah. in the children's graphic novel section it is yeah right. so if you're interested in that you can so there are non-fiction graphic novels oh yes there's a lot of those do we have any others to talk about here um, no I've got, yes, I've got one I do. but go ahead good um there's several over in the juvenile section um hazardous tales i think they're called oh yeah and then there's like even some world book um mm -hmm. like encyclopedia mm -hmm. kind of things on cells and different are there some history things too yes and that's what the hazardous tales are okay um about historical oh, okay events. okay and so the one that i brought today is called the drowned city hurricane katrina in new orleans Oh wow! and it's written and illustrated by don brown he also wrote the dust bowl uh, mm. the great american dust bowl uh, and it's very fascinating talking about, you know, Hurricane Katrina and just the 
uh, you know, the events leading up to it, what happened during and mm-hmm. then after. And one thing that I uh, found in here, they talked about there were 360 city buses available to ferry people to safety, but they were nowhere to be seen. Hmm. And then... They've got the train, Amtrak there. We offered to take evacuees out of harm's way. The city declined. Five trains leave New Orleans empty. Oh, my goodness. I did not know that. So this book actually won the Robert F. Siebert Honor honor Book, which is the nonfiction award. So quick read for adults. It's in the young adult section. uh, And I... Put it there versus the younger kids because Mm -hmm. um, the Dust Bowl is actually in the juvenile section. Mm -hmm. But this one, because it does show picture, not pictures, obviously drawn Drawn. illustrations of um, drowned bodies. Serious matters. Yeah. 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 You know, so however Mm -hmm. you want to take that. But yeah, so lots of graphic novels actually. Well, there's one set of graphic novels that's actually in our adult adult graphic novel section that I wanted to mention with nonfiction, and that's March Mm -hmm. by John Lewis, Mm -hmm. Congressman Mm -hmm. John Lewis. And you probably know that he was one of the people on very active in the civil rights movement of the 60s, right there on the front lines with Martin Luther King Jr., with all those names you know. And he has been, um, he, he helped developed these three books about called March about that experience, about his kind of memoir mm-hmm. in a graphic novel form of the civil rights movement and, and the things that he was that he participated in. So really, really interesting, mm-hmm. very informative, but easy to read, quick to read, lots of great information there in a in a really interesting format so yeah graphic novels mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stuff out there and you mentioned the hazardous tales is that the ones that is about the different conflicts yes i think so narrated by uh nathan hall hail hail who yes. was a spy during the revolutionary war for the american revolution i have not looked at him that for the life. revolutionaries yes for the <laughs> yeah. so it's like he Drunk was, history, but for kids in a graphic novel. Right. Well, I've I've looked at them, and they're they're actually really, I really I, I actually really like them. They're they're really a lot of good information mm-hmm. about. And the 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 first one starts with Nathan. You know, it's about the Revolutionary War, the American Revolution, and Nathan Hale. And then at the end, he's about to get executed, but the executioner wants to know more about these different world conflicts. So the rest of them after that are about him and the executioner and I think like the British general or something like that all like you know they go through the civil war the you know American civil war and world war 1 and all these different yeah. all these different conflicts and Wait, didn't they do one about the Oregon trail Yeah that's something? that's right they're not just war but also things like that Yeah hmm. I know they did one about the Doolittle raid during world war 2 Wow. Okay. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of, of fun facts and interesting, you know, events and stuff in there, and it's it's all in graphic novel format, so it's very reader friendly if you're more of a visual 
person. And hmm. let me just say that these are in the junior section, and so they're good for the you know the kids to learn something. But they're they have those quick facts right. that you can retain yeah. if you read through it real quick, and mm-hmm. you know. No one's limited know. to one section right. of the library. No, <laughs> you please. can check out stuff from all over. Yes, yeah. we encourage that. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, we were talking a little bit about war and conflict and that kind of thing. I think you've got some stuff related to that, so tell us what you've got. Well, I know earlier we mentioned that world, all, everything about World War II has got a resurgence, yeah. which seems to happen continually like mm-hmm. like world war ii is always the thing and, like, and our book club yeah selects world war ii things and it's regularly there's at least one a year mm-hmm. and usually two a year that have a world war ii yes. theme fiction or non-fiction and it's always world so, war ii is in is all the movies and all the video yeah. games and everything but oh yeah the, the forgotten conflict is world war one mm-hmm. so i'm i just bought some of the books that i've you know i've i've read and perused and stuff on on World War One, which actually was, I think, from the history I've read, was just as impact, had just as much impact, if not more so, on Europe during the time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still, even though World War Two is a much more momentous, I guess, worldwide, and uh, and just the things that happened mm-hmm. during that, World War One was very, um, you know, it was very, had a lot of impact. But one of the ones I picked was the the eyewitness mammoth book of eyewitness uh, World War One and its firsthand accounts of mm. uh, people that were in World War One uh, soldiers and so you know as you read these it's all like journal entries and letters and you know it's all firsthand stuff as it was written and so there's a lot of interesting stories in there about um, like a you know a commonly told story from World War One is. Uh, when they would have Christmas, mm-hmm. and all the soldiers would cease fire, and they would go and like the Germans and the the British would go and like play soccer and exchange gifts yeah. and Aww. and stuff. And there's actually letters in here from people that, or you know journal entries from people that experienced that firsthand. So that's it's wow, you know that's cool. and those kind of stories just I mean I just think that that's crazy, but mm-hmm. um, but that's a hmm. uh, you know that's one of the things I like in that one. Um, and then, of course, if you're a World War One buff, there's the Visual Encyclopedia, which has all the. So everybody can see it there. <laughs> For our, our our viewers, not at not at home, all but in in the in the in the room, um, you know, it's got all the the photography and and things like that, and uh, and of course, I pulled one of the Time Life books, Knights of the Air, because I'm a like I guess I'm kind of a aviation buff, even though I don't ever aviate mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> you don't aviate. <laughs> you're you're an aviation spectator. Yes, um, but it's all about you know the early uh, the biplanes and uh, the early air war during World War One, which was like the first. Mm-hmm. So I ha- I have a a question. I know that boys in general are fascinated with you know the airplanes and war you know and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. are these are adult books that you've got yeah the um knights of the air i'm assuming would be appropriate because it's about the airplanes and bombers and that that the kid kids could look through the pictures yeah i I remember looking through it and i think that it's a pretty but the other one world war one 
visual, the visual encyclopedia, encyclopedia would that be uh, that probably not that's probably going to be something that some if if the you know if they're really young and kind of sensitive that's probably going to show like the the men with you know amputations mm-hmm. and okay and mm-hmm. people being blown apart and you know all the terrible okay. things okay um, a little too intense a little more graphic yeah yeah but these you know this is a good the time life ones even though i'm not like I think some of these are kind mm-hmm. of just coffee table fodder, but I actually do like a lot of the pictures. And there's a, mm-hmm. just like those other ones, those graphic novels, there's just a lot of little fun facts and stuff that you can yeah. read about in there without having to read a whole history of mm-hmm. the conflict or whatever and have to find it yourself. It's, yeah. it's And that's weird. one of the great things about encyclopedias in general is they're not intended to be read beginning to end. You know, you can kind mm-hmm. of flip through, you can stop when it, when it catches your attention or you can look up something specific. So, you know, even though something's really thick or kind of, kind of dense material, you don't have to feel like you have to read it beginning to end. So you can pick and choose what you want to read and find what you like. Yeah. And that's really true with a lot of the nonfiction, but also the way that nonfiction is being written mm-hmm. now, it's very easy to read it's front very to much back. a story. Yes. Yeah. And it, it, you know, more interesting and just mm-hmm. pulls you through it. So. Well, another another publisher that um, does nonfiction really well, probably more of the pick and choose, flip through and find what grabs your attention kind, is mm-hmm. the DK Eyewitness series yeah. that's on just mm-hmm. any number of mm-hmm. subjects from growing you know things on the farm to spies and the history of spy making to different countries to just anything you can imagine they've they've got a dki witness book out there mm-hmm. and they're well researched and they have interesting photographs and illustrations but it, it's very much a flip through and and Mm-hmm. look at stuff not mm-hmm. not yeah. a dense read but a lot of what we're talking about are written more like stories yes so so those would be the kind of interesting things that you that really would keep your attention from beginning to end i think mm-hmm. okay denise you gonna throw something in here what do you got uh, oh, yeah. I got stack. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I got a book about how swearing is good for you. Hmm. The Amazing Signs of Bad Language by <laughs> Emma Byrne. Um, haven't read it yet, but anything that gives me a solid argument to why I can say the F word, I'm going <laughs> to yeah, read it. I thought about you when I saw that. Yeah. It sounded like something that you would read. Uh, so that's a new book that we've just, that has mm-hmm. just been published. Okay. So you yep. haven't read it yet? I haven't read it yet. Okay. But I picked it up because I was like, I want to read that. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I haven't read that looks really interesting is Death in the Air, the true story of a serial killer, the great London smog, and the strangling of a city. Ooh. Ooh. That sounds fascinating. So, that sounds pretty interesting. So and, there's, you know, a, there's actually a serial killer and the smog. Uh-huh. Going on okay. at the same time. Hmm. That's why you can get away with it. Because yep. Right. You can't see him. Nobody can see <laughs> Hmm. Especially when apparently it looks like the victims were women, poor women, forgotten yeah. women. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just say when we went to London this last year, they talked about the buildings and how dirty they were mm-hmm. and that they're actually cleaning up the city 
because mm-hmm. of all of that. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it was pretty so bad. I, I read a lot of historical fiction period kind of stuff that's from Regency, Victorian, Edwardian, that, that kind mm-hmm. of period. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the, the things that they always, the, it's interesting to see which ones will mention how filthy everything is. Some of them just gloss over it and everything's wonderful and they don't <laughs> even mention it. But, yeah. but then when you get the ones that are really, really after it, that's what they're talking about. And one of the reasons, this has nothing to do with nonfiction, but one of the reasons <laughs> I really like the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies oh, yes. is because they show the filth. London filthy. Yes. I mean, you the opening scene, I think, of the very first movie, you're kind of looking out over the city and you can't even tell what you're looking at at first mm-hmm. because it's so dingy and and you that's the way it really looked mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Yep. you know for those charles dickens fans <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is your london <laughs> that's right okay back to nonfiction. sorry for that little detour <laughs> so i think that one of the main reasons that death in the air really caught my interest was that it kind of reminded me of devil in the white city mm-hmm. written by mm-hmm. eric larson mm-hmm. yes and i love that book and i believe it's being turned into a movie so that's mm-hmm. the one about the chicago world fair right mm-hmm. yes. and serial killer hh holmes yes oh, serial killers yeah you know i there's find a serial killer i'm in yeah it, well, it's <laughs> fascinating <laughs> yeah i read that one and it was it was it was really, really good, good yeah mm-hmm. yep you can get away with all kinds of stuff when people aren't paying attention right Robert Wagner. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay, so here's what I'm seeing about that movie. Not much. Leonardo DiCaprio oh, is associated Scorsese. with it. Yeah, I think yeah, he's Martin Holmes. Scorsese, yes. Um, as the director, that's all I see. I don't even see. It says in development, so mm-hmm. I don't think they've started production on it. No. I don't see any dates, even here's what we might think. So it's out there, but yeah, don't think, look for it in a theater near you anytime soon. I think now that Leonardo DiCaprio finally won his Oscar, mm-hmm. I think he's like, we can do this sometime. I think he was trying to turn out all the possible yeah. Oscar winners. So Could be. He could finally win his Oscar, which I'm glad he finally won his Oscar, even though I really want this to be a movie. (laughs) (laughs) He deserves it. He deserves the Oscar. I have a lot of other sad books over here. Yeah. Um, Oh, so I got another one about murder. Yeah. Seduced by Madness, the true story of the Susan Polk murder case. She sounds familiar. Carol Pogash. So Susan Polk when she was 15, was kind of mentally disturbed. Okay. And so she went to a therapist, and her therapist, who was decades older than her, mm-hmm. convinced her that she was cured and that the only person that could keep her cured and sane was him and that they should get married. Oh. Yeah. And their, I guess, relationship. Mm-hmm. Started in the 70s, and 
she murdered him <laughs> in had enough two, of this 2002 so they were married for oh, a long time yeah that's just fairly and, recent yep and at the time of the murder they had um they had three sons and at the time of the murder they were teenagers mm-hmm. and so he spent a good chunk of time just telling her that she was okay when she was not mm-hmm. okay and just ignoring a lot of the big red flags um during the was the late 80s early 90s that you know america had that satanic cult scare where everybody thought that yes daycares were performing satanic rituals on their children the and, satanic oh. panic yes oh. thank you and everybody thought dungeons and dragons was That's satanic rituals yeah. Well, yeah. yep yeah and she was actually one of her and her husband were actually um, very prominent in trying to get several of the daycares in their area closed down because they were Satanists. Oh. And apparently this didn't cause him to think that maybe she needed, you know, help. Although, although mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of that takes one to know one. If you're <laughs> yeah. weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> know, a lot of it seemed like he was just kind of going along with her. Uh-huh. But, um, and then... Yeah, you know, I think I said earlier, I, I'm i sure he was very surprised when she finally, like, <laughs> stabbed him to death. And he should not have been. Yeah. <laughs> so this hmm. that reminds me of the book, is it the Bordeaux sisters or the, um, the ones who lived up in the Northwest and they were always trying to, I want to say they were trying to lose weight. And they ended up going into this program with this doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he totally, like, brainwashed one of them mm-hmm. and got her to lose so much weight that she was, like, next to nothing. And I think she finally died, but the other sister escaped. So... You mm. haven't read that one? Mm-mm. Okay, I'll have to find out. I yeah. think it's called the Bordeaux Sisters. Hmm. That's what it's reminded me of, the crazy doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fascinating story. <laughs> Northwest. Is there a book? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've read it. All right. This, it. this also reminds me of Lizzie Borden, of course. That's and it, isn't it? Lizzie Borden? What she is Lizzie Borden? She didn't have a sister. No, she, she was, was the just one. an only child. She whacked her parents with... Oh yeah, that's with an axe, the same thing. killed them. <sighs> yeah, stripped herself down so that she wouldn't have get her clothes dirty. Well, they couldn't figure that part out later on. Yeah, I think because they couldn't figure out, and at the time, you know, you wouldn't have done that. Yeah, and no one really wanted to believe that she did it because right. woman, but she didn't have any blood on her or anything like that. And she claimed mm-hmm. that some guy came and killed her father and stepmother, and eventually they. Um, the police, I think, eventually wised up to it, but no one on the jury would ever believe that that she, that she a young woman, would do such a thing. And so, mm-hmm. off she went to be a free woman. Oh, yeah, there's see? a TV movie, I think, with Chris- Elizabeth Montgomery as Lizzie Borden. There's a new version there's of that. There's another one out. with Christina Ricci. See, nonfiction is not boring. <laughs> not when it's about murder. Right? If you like that sort of thing. Oh, there was a TV <laughs> miniseries in 2015, the Lizzie Borden Chronicles. 
I think that one was, was based that, on the movie that Christina Ricci did. That was Christine. Yeah, that was Christina yeah, Ricci. Yeah, they did a little show after going that. Going a little, like, what happened after that? And loosely after based. That, like, not, yeah, not really. It was just Yeah, because I'm, I'm pretty sure the show made it seem like she went on to become a serial killer, which uh-huh. she did not. <laughs> Fictionalized <laughs> and speculative, it uh-huh. says here, so... <laughs> So much. Let's get back to nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Do you want to talk about your other one? Uh, your other murder. I I think that's it for murder. I think I moved on to other, oh that one's not other that. crimes oh, other, other crimes other crimes other gotcha. crimes. <laughs> so, what do you have? Well, the next one I wanted to to mention. Well, <laughs> kind of the. No, I'm not doing that one yet. <laughs> We're going to wait on that one. Um, they call themselves the KKK, and mm-hmm. Chris alluded to the fact that World War II and Nazis and KKK are just back in the news, and they're also back in books. Mm-hmm. You know, We're reading a lot about them. So um, I've uh, talked several times about The Boys Who Challenged Hitler. Mm-hmm. That's a YA book. But we also have We Will Not Be Silent, which mm-hmm. is about um, World War II and The Boy in the Wooden Box. Um, and it's about growing up in the Holocaust area. Um, but Susan Campbell Bartoletti also wrote... Uh, she she wrote, they called themselves the KKK, and then she also wrote this other one, um, Terrible Typhoid Mary. Mm. And it's a true story of the deadliest cook in America. So Another killer. Yeah. <laughs> you There's should be scared, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, some of it was kind of unfair for her in her situation, but, you know, it ends up that she was a carrier of the disease and... And so they locked her up. Just a carrier, right? Mm-hmm. She was asymptomatic or yep. whatever. She never got wow. sick. But they locked her up because hmm. uh, families that she cooked for would get sick and die. And hmm. They thought wow. that she was poisoning? Yeah. Well, not necessarily poisoning. I mean, they knew that it was, I think they finally realized it was the, um, that she was a carrier for it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, that they, mm-hmm. she was actually doing that. But, mm-hmm. um Wow. So it was kind of sad that mm-hmm. she ended yeah. up in the situation that she was in. Uh, she was also a nurse. Oh, wow. Um, she or she worked in the hospital, so yeah. maybe it was in the kitchen or something, but I know that she was working wow. in the hospital with patients, and um, they got sick, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, fascinating story, yeah. especially now that we're going through the whole thing with the flu. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, they were definitely not as clean as we are now. <laughs> but wash your hands. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got one that I picked up because I live in Denton. Mm. And there's this big hoopla over fracking. And, of mm-hmm. course, the city of Denton, the citizens passed this you know, ban on fracking. And then it was overturned by the state of Texas. We always love when... The, the government just above us decides that we can't rule ourselves. Um, but this is called The Fracking Debate by Daniel Ramey, The Risks, Benefits, and Uncertainties of the Shale Revolution. And, and I haven't read all of this, but it looks like it really is a very fair and balanced treatment. It's trying to 
answer questions about what is fracking, why do we have it, why are we doing it, what are the benefits, what are the, the problems with it, what are the issues that we seem to have, and, and where is that going. So it was just really an informative kind of thing about what fracking is and, and why we need to be paying attention. So not necessarily saying it's a terrible thing, it's a great thing, but, mm -hmm. but really, I think, giving a, a real fair treatment of what it is and, and what we need to know about what's going on. So you did read that one? I've read part of it. I've okay. not finished it. Did it make you feel a lot better after, you know, obviously, since you live in Denton? No, it makes me angry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because what it told me is there, there are dangers that, that a city that decides we don't want this in our city should be able to say, we don't want this in our city, mm -hmm. instead of having someone else say, oh, I know you voted for this, and it was overwhelming, but too bad. Yeah. So that's kind of where it left me. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And you would recommend it, obviously. Yeah, I think so. I've there there is at least one other book about fracking that we've got that's that was published within the last year, year and a half. But I think it's more of a here's why it's terrible because it's written by somebody who is very distinctly on one side of the issue. Okay. Where I think this is really a much more informative. I mean, that one had a lot of good mm -hmm. information, mm -hmm. but this one I think is much more of an opposing viewpoints kind of kind of book that that gives you the whole picture and then lets you make up your own mind. That's nice. So. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's not there's there's a bit of science in it, you know, that that you can get bogged down in, but that's not most of the book. Okay. So, anyway, thought that was good. Chris ha has some interesting ones over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I brought some of my favorite nonfiction from okay. home that we don't have here in the library. Oh, so. all right. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> well, we can talk about all the samurai stuff, but I I can't go without mentioning my favorite nonfiction book ever mm -hmm. is Black Metal, The Evolution of the Cult. Oh. And if you're into... Like if you're into the, I'm I'm really into extreme metal music, like black metal, and things like that. So, um, you speaking know, of satanic cults, yeah, speaking <laughs> of satan satanic panics and dungeons and dragons. Yeah, I was so excited when this book came out because, um, I mean, if, and also if you're into music journalism, this is really what this falls into. Okay. Um, so I don't really like read a lot of music journalism in general. I was just interested in the subject. But there's a so there's all, it's all interviews by this uh, Dale Patterson, you know, um, obviously a black metal fan himself. But he interviews members of bands uh, from like the beginning of the black metal movement, um, you know, the '80s things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Bathory, uh, Venom, um, King Diamond, all that that the kind of the progenitors of. Black metal, and then when it really gets juicy is when you get into the 90s, um, <laughs> when there was all the the murders and church burnings and stuff in Norway. In the 90s, when all the murders happened. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've got a lot of books here that say that's not true. No. <laughs> and, and it was just, oh man, it was just so excellent reading it, because uh, there are definitely people in that uh, scene that are... That have that have been 
violent and you know uh, vandalism and and assault and murders, murdering each other even. Mm. Um, but then there are other people during that same time period, uh, like the band Immortal, which is you know I mean they're black black metal, but you know you read the kind of things that they talk about and they're just kind of like uh, you know this is just what we do. We're into this music. We don't care about you know what those other guys are doing. So. It's like the you know the music is not a reflection of of what they're of all of the character of everybody that's involved mm. in that. So that's kind of like the motorcycles and the Harley, uh, Hell's Angels, yeah. kind of thing. I, yeah, I there's people like who that. are not good, and then there's the ones that are not so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't mean to be ignorant here, but. <laughs> Can you define black metal for me so that I know what it is and what it's not? Oh, gosh. Because... <laughs> and two hours later. Uh, well, not briefly, <laughs> but I I don't know that term. I, gotcha. I know heavy metal. I know grunge. I know goth. I know those things and sort of what those are. Death metal? Death metal? Is that what this is? Is that what black metal is? No, it's no. It's like the next step. From the ne- oh, after death. It's afterlife. Yeah. So <laughs> the afterlife wow. of death metal. If you knew what that was, then that would probably be the most comparable thing. But since you don't, okay, since that's you're not fine. With that, that's enough. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of. Usually, it's a lot of tremolo picking. Um, a lot of lo-fi. Uh, recording, All right. um, very dissonant, okay. um, often very repetitive as well. And they probably don't like digital recordings because they're too clean. Some of them, yeah. They would want to go it's, to vinyl so you could get the... Or actually like tapes, like cassette oh, tapes. Yeah, oh, yeah, they have to let go of the oh, cassette tape. Oh, my goodness. All right. And if you... If you um, another interesting thing about that scene is that tape trading was like how you got found out about different bands mm-hmm. and stuff. Wow. And they would mail the tapes to each other and they would uh, put a little layer of glue over the postage stamps and say, please send my stamps back when you're done. And so then you could actually take the, the postage, like where they stamp the stamp, and then they would reuse the stamps. <laughs> And they like cost the the post you know the postal services like thousands of dollars. Oh, wow! <laughs> oh my goodness, that's great. So that's hilarious. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a super fascinating book, and okay. you, you get to read about the good guys and the bad guys, and and mm. uh, it's like it's the real the real story. I love yeah. it. Okay. All I know is scum of the earth from WKRP. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure that's not what they are. I don't know. Oh, well. Ha, huh, okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Do we want to talk about crime some more? Give us some more <laughs> true crime. Yeah. <laughs> we love true crime. Okay. So I've got two books here. One is Mazzola by John Krakauer. And it is about rape and the justice system in a college town. And it is super scary. Let me just say before we go any farther. Super scary. That that's where I grew up in Missoula. Oh, Missoula. Actually. Sorry. Apologize. No, it's fine. (laughs) Uh, 
I grew up in a small town, like 15 miles outside, but that's where we would go to shop and do everything. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I haven't read it, but I've wanted to. Yeah, it's it's really scary. Just really scary in the way Mm -hmm. that this entire town backed the football team. And, Mm -hmm. oh, they're raping girls. Those girls must be liars. And they must be all kinds of horrible things, but not the football players. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they made life very difficult for rape victims Mm -hmm. because football. Wow. Yeah, it's it's very scary. Mm -hmm. Very, very scary. Let me just say... Football's a big deal up there. Football's a big deal here, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. There's, um, <laughs> yeah, you've got the University of Montana, and then Montana State is in Bozeman. And, yeah, that was the big rival game mm-hmm. that they would have every year. So, yep, and yeah. there's just a lot of, um, you know, most of the the girls that talked with John Krakauer, uh-huh, None of these were stranger rapes. Mm-hmm. They were, I've known this guy since I was a kid. I thought of him as my big brother. And we went off to different colleges. And then I came back home. And there was a party. And he was going to be there. So I thought I was perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. Decided to sleep at his place because I've known him my whole life. And then I wake up. And there he is. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just say, it looks like this happened after I was gone. <laughs> just saying. So, okay. Yeah, it's it's a very frightening book. Mm-hmm. Very, very frightening. And not just because it's like an, this isn't an isolated incident. Like, this happens across college campuses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to mention there, there was a book that came out last summer or fall about the Baylor scandal, mm-hmm. um, find the title, Violated, Exposing Rape at Baylor University Amid College Football's Sexual Assault Crisis. Mm-hmm. And it was Mark Schleyback was one of the co-authors, and I, I can't find the other, the other author. But basically what it's saying is this is a, an, a reconstruction of what happened and what, what eventually led to the school the big blow up and everything mm-hmm. that happened there, but there's still, it, there's not enough time yet to say this is the outcome and these are mm-hmm. the, you know, they don't have everybody's story yet, of course, because they're still, they're still hearing from people. Mm-hmm. And so when did, when did the Missoula, when, when was this, going on that they're that they're well, talking about. Well, it says the, the Department of Justice investigated 350 sexual assaults reported to the Missoula police between January 2008 and May 2012. Good That's not heavens. very long ago. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. And when when I first heard about this, I did not think that it was that recent. I figured it was probably back like when I was growing up or yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. No. Wow. It's yeah. more recent. Well, yeah. It's still going on. I mean, yeah. Uh, John Krakauer writes a lot of um, really great nonfiction. He wrote Into the Wild, uh, which was turned into a movie. Yes. Um, Under the Banner of Heaven, which was also freaking scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just um, about 
a murder that happened. Well, I don't remember when, um, but it was done by two brothers, I want to say, but they were Mormon fundamentalists. Mm, and right. it was all kinds of just craziness going on there. And just like the huge brainwashing that they had gone mm-hmm. through. And mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. believed that they were completely in the right and that they were doing God's work. And it was just, it was scary. Um, that's but, hard. To, that's what I don't understand. Because I guess being an outsider looking in at that, it's like, how does that happen? How did yeah. you leak that? Um, but I don't know. Maybe when you're in it or... I don't know, circumstances. Or you grow up in it. Yeah. Like, you don't know anything else other than, this is what I grew up, and mm-hmm. this is what my parents told me was the truth, and mm-hmm. yeah, you got nothing. And I'm homeschooled and only see other people in the same compound. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You get no other perspectives other than this is what, what it is. And, yeah. and, and that's, there was a book we were talking about when we talked about upcoming things about, and one of them was about the young woman who was raised in isolation. Yeah. The and, and that's one of the scary things about that kind of isolationism, whether you're in a compound or whether you're just in your family, you know, whatever it might be, is that that's the only perspective you see. So mm-hmm. uh, let me just say too, though, that you can get that narrow mindedness that's true. In your own life. Mm-hmm. I mean, just sometimes you just got to step out and do something just completely different mm-hmm. and go somewhere different to realize that your life is not as bad as you think it is or, you know, whatever's going on is not that big of a deal. Or there are other ways of looking at something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You yeah. get a different different perspective of it. So to keep on my uh, theme here of... Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> of rape. Um, another one that I have is I Will Find You. And it was a reporter investigates the life of the man who raped her. Mm-hmm. And wow. um, has a blurb by John Krakauer on <laughs> 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 here. But she was sexually assaulted in her 20s, I want to say. Um, fairly young. She was married and um, they were both reporters for... The Cleveland Plain Dealer. And she went to interview someone for an article and they didn't show up. And so she was going to walk. They were, I think she was waiting for them like in a little theater department or something. And so she was waiting for them Mm -hmm. to show up so she could interview them and they didn't show up. And so she was about to leave and someone walks in and sexually assaults her. Hmm. And they caught the guy and he went to prison and um, she got a much more favorable outcome in that kind of thing than than most. Um, and then she never talked about it again. Like, he was caught, went to prison, and that was it. Like, she just closed the chapter on that mm-hmm. and moved on with her life. At least she thought that, you know, she was fine and she was over it. Yeah. Until her daughter was going to go to college. Oh. And then um, she took her on different college tours, and they were telling her about, you know, they've got these blue light stations all over the campus so if you're out Mm -hmm. by yourself Mm -hmm. or you feel you're in danger you can go to one of those and call for help and in five minutes someone will come to help you and she was like five minutes Mm. yeah i was Mm -hmm. like in five minutes Mm -hmm. you know this horrible thing happened to her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and so in less than that time yeah and so 
she decided that she needed to tell her kids about what happened. And so when she did that, it kind of just opened everything back up. Mm-hmm. Everything that she thought she was over, she wasn't. And so she started investigating his life and how he got to where he was and to hmm. that place in his life where hmm. he became a, a sexual assault, mm-hmm. um, assaulter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so wow. um, it helped her finally get some closure on all that. Mm-hmm. It was very, very interesting, but it's a really small read, especially compared to John Krakauer's book, <laughs> but it was really good. Just really What's the title again, Denise? I Will Find You. Hmm. By Joanna Joanna Connors. And I think this came out around the same time as John Krakauer's book did. You know, I, I feel like I'm fairly careful, especially coming from a smaller community, smaller oh, no, town. This came out just a couple of years ago. Sorry. But sometimes you get in situations and you just make stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a late class at... Um, a university that I was taking, nothing bad happened, but uh, I was leaving and there were these two guys there and they said they needed to jump for their car because their battery was dead. So I stopped <laughs> and, you know, I don't know exactly what happened, but, you know, immediately there was a, a police officer behind me and he said, ma'am, you can go. And so I did. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You just don't know. You, right. You're trying to be the nice person. And yeah, I got home and told my husband what I'd done. And it's like, I think I was really stupid. I, I, you know, yeah, I just like when you're this. talking about it, you're like, why, what, why was I going to do that? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so here's my so. story about, about a funny thing that could have gone all kinds of horrible. Uh-huh. Um, when I was in college, this was in the 70s, so of course there were no cell phones. You didn't just pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm on my way. I was mm-hmm. going to college mm-hmm. in a town about 20 miles away from home, in a, in a different town from where I lived. And um, I had gone to, after classes and everything, I had gone to some kind of reception at a dean's house that mm-hmm. evening, and um I wanted to let my parents know that I was on the way. And, of course, this was also when you didn't just pick up a phone and make a long-distance call either. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't going to call from their house before I left the reception because that would have been a long-distance call to Mm -hmm. call back home. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I stopped at the rest area, and it was just one of those with picnic tables and a phone, and a a payphone. Okay. So I stopped. I get on the payphone. I put my quarter in. I call my parents. I say, I left a few minutes ago. I'm here. I'm on my way home. Okay. Then I get home. And within a week is when the Texas Rangers arrested Henry Lee Lucas, Mm. serial killer. Mm -hmm. And that stretch of Interstate 35 was one of his hunting grounds. Mm. Wow. Where he was just trolling up and down looking for victims. And, you know, I don't know what the the end results were with Henry Lee Lucas, but we know it was not good. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to stop to make sure my parents didn't worry about me. <laughs> Call them and let them know I was on yeah. my way safely home and 
could have been, been safe. the horrible yeah. thing to make that stop and make that call. Yeah. That could have been a really terrible thing. So you never know no. what's mm-hmm. a good decision and what's not. <laughs> yeah, you do. But <laughs> you don't always. Right. Sometimes something that seems like a perfectly like a innocent perfectly thing, reasonable thing yeah. that you've done before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why would this not be okay now? And then it's not until later that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that could have been awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got some things on a lighter note that okay. we might end with, but I, <clears throat> does Denise, do you have some more? Um, before we go to lighter notes. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, My Body is a Book of Rules by Elisa Washuda mm-hmm. is probably one of my favorite nonfiction books okay. like across the board. Um, it is a hugely intense book. She talks about her cultural identity because she's Native Mm. American. Mm -hmm. Uh, She talks about her mental illness, Mm. which she has. um, She's been very aware of it for quite some time. She was one of those people that, you know, went to her therapist. They prescribed her medication and said, like 0.0% of people have this side effect. And if you get that side effect, stop taking because it's going to kill you. And so she was like, okay. And then that side effect happened. Mm. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) And that medicine had actually been the only thing that had been really like working for her. Mm -hmm. And so she talks about that. Um, She was sexually assaulted twice. And she talks about that. And she's just very open about Hmm. all this trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to stop and like stop reading it and process everything that she was talking oh, about because wow. it was very intense. But it's also very hopeful because she never mm-hmm. gave up. She never like there was times when it seemed like it was all going to take just take her under and she fought it. And it ends, you know, on a, on a more hopeful note, mm-hmm. but it's just a really intense intense read. Hmm. Okay. We can probably talk about something not intense now. <laughs> well, between intense and not intense, um, there is a biography of Stephen Hawking that's just called My Brief History. It's really short, like it's 125 pages. Hmm. It's easy read, but it's really interesting uh, just about his life and kind of how he got to where he was and an interesting book about a really fascinating person. Mm-hmm. Um, so Didn't they do a movie on him? Yeah, they did. Um, Eddie Redmayne was the, played Stephen mm-hmm. Hawking. Okay. In that movie. Yeah. It was good, it, you know, to learn more about him mm-hmm. and in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my lighter note, mm-hmm. we have this book. It is a YA book. And it's called Remaking the John, The Invention and Reinvention of the Toilet. Ooh, (laughs) interesting. It really is. I was flipping through it, and I'm like, oh, I really want to read this. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, It starts with, you know, public toilets, you know, like long ago and in London and, you know, how they had their toilets out you know in public and that kind of thing it looks like and and then it talks about and shows like oh here's one on the airplane 
and like all these fancy ones with gold leaf. <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, they have a toilet on the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. So here's the fancy one. <laughs> so yeah, can y'all see that? It's really cool. No, it looks like you, have, you know, like in some countries, you have to pay to use the toilet. It mm-hmm. looks like a photo booth. Yeah, that's what it looks that, like. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I was thinking it looked like an elevator. Mm. <laughs> oh, you know what? And that was in New York. <laughs> oh my goodness! Right. So anyway, I mean, nonfiction can be fun, mm-hmm. um, and you learn stuff in a fun way about weird things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have some series in the the kids section, juven, uh, juvenile section. It's you wouldn't want to live without mm-hmm. vaccines or without bees, electricity, that kind of stuff, and <clears throat> just kind of gives you some interesting facts about mm-hmm. those things. And then the other one is if you were a kid during or if you were a kid living on the International Space Station, oh. You know, kind of gives you some fun ways to look at mm-hmm. maybe boring topics <laughs> if you were to just read them. Mm-hmm. So, okay. anyway. So, there's another kid's book that I wanted to mention. It's called How They Croaked yes. The Awful Ends <laughs> of the Awfully Famous. And this is by Georgia Bragg. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just how these different people died. And just interesting things, and I think one of them is—is is it who whoever was uh, somebody died in his bathtub because he I don't know what happened to him, but you know just different things in history mm-hmm. where people died in interesting and inglorious ways. Mm-hmm. So my son read those. Uh huh. Yeah, he really liked that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How they croaked. <laughs> So there's been a yep. resurgence of, well, I don't even want to say resurgence. I don't know if there was ever a big popularity of reading nonfiction. Um, but they're trying to bring that back into the schools and get the kids interested in reading mm-hmm. informational text. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like reading a fictional book. So Right. Yeah. But there are so many that are like, I mean, they mm-hmm. feel like you're reading just a fiction story, even though it's real. Yes. And that's that's what I thought about The Lost City of the Monkey God by mm-hmm. Ben mm-hmm. Resrick. When I read that, it felt like, I mean, you could tell it wasn't, you know, there were things that happened that you wouldn't choose to happen in a mm-hmm. fiction story. But it felt like I was reading a novel. There was action and there was adventure and there were things moving along and, and you wondered what was going to happen to them and you were invested in the characters and... All that kind of thing, and I think that's definitely a direction that nonfiction is going. That where it feels like you're reading a really intense story, mm-hmm. fiction or nonfiction, you know, so mm-hmm. so you can really get into it and, and be invested in this in the story of it, whether it's real or not. I have, uh, but what if we're wrong? By Chuck Clusterman, uh-huh. and I just want to say first of all that I love. Chuck Clusterman. Okay. I love everything he's written. All right. Uh, So I might be a little biased here. Just a little. (laughs) Just a little. (laughs) Basically, oh, Chuck Clusterman is a journalist, and for the most part, he's actually a music journalist, and a lot of his nonfiction is about music. Okay. Um, 
he's written two books of fiction um, but this one but what if we're wrong is where he's basically going around and interviewing people famous people about things like how certain are we about our understanding of gravity how certain are we about our understanding of time Hmm. Like, what will be the defining memory of rock music 500 years from today? Right. And so, it's actually very, very fascinating. Fascinating book because he he interviews um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Juno Diaz, um, just George Saunders, just all kinds of people. And just to try to understand... Like, how it is that we're so certain about things, but then maybe in the future, we're going to be disproven on a lot of that. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay. I think my favorite chapter is where he's talking about, there's a good possibility that the voice of our generation, of our time, mm. um, is someone that's either no one has ever read their work before, or is someone who is being published, but it gets, like, no respect at all. Like, it's considered to be fluff or something along those lines. I think it was Juno Diaz who talked about how there's a good chance that the voice of this time period, this generation, this era, is some Kafka-esque character just writing weird stories, posting them on the dark net that no one's ever going to read until... Years later. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and that's how we're going to be defined. <laughs> so, yeah. Chuck Clusterman. Read right. everything about Chuck Clusterman. He's great. Well, I've got one more that I wanted to mention, and it just caught my eye because of my background. And it's by George Anders. It's called You Can Do Anything, The Surprising Power of a Useless Liberal Arts Education. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really talking about how after so long where the focus has been on science or engineering degrees or business degrees, that, that people are really starting to see the value of a degree that focuses on creativity and curiosity and those kinds of qualities that can take you into a successful career of some sort that mm-hmm. that can allow you to be an entrepreneur or that can allow you to succeed in sales or consulting or those kinds of things that are a little softer um, related to science and business. They're, they're, they have... The qualities that are a little more abstract that are needed to be successful in those things, and that it's possible that having a liberal arts education, you could still be a success in life, <laughs> and not just be a successful barista. Who knew? Yeah, really. No kidding. <laughs> Music degree and an English literature degree. <laughs> never know where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Be it's a philosophy degree. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. I've been reading a lot of adventures. Yeah. Well, you know, books for RPGs and stuff. Okay. I think that that's nonfiction. You think that's nonfiction? <laughs> because, I mean, yes, there's fiction involved, but there's also mechanics and uh, this is okay, how you run okay. this game. And I've been... 
extensive research yeah. on the matter. Yeah, I've been like, I don't know what it is. Like, I've gotten into this phase where, like, that's just all I want to read right now. I just want to mm. read adventures and rule books and stuff. Of course, I am working on my own RPG. Yeah. Um, Very cool. So that's part of it. Right. Um, it helps to know what other people have done and how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay. But, yeah. Um, cool. I don't know. It's weird. I just really enjoy reading them, especially if they're well well written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. if we're on the topic of nonfiction, that's there why I don't. Go. That's why I don't have anything else. Is because I've been reading all that, and it's mostly all <laughs> online yeah. PDFs and stuff. We don't. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I always read stuff that we don't have in the library. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's why I never that's have right. anything. But there are computers here with free internet access that's that right. you can come and read these PDFs. Here at the library, too. That that is right. (laughs) Oh, one other thing I have been reading lately. I went on vacation a couple of weeks ago, and I found very helpful the Fodor's travel guide to the places I went. So the library has, you know, travel books. For example, we went to Universal Studios and Kennedy Space Center, and the book I had was Fodor's Beyond Disney nice you know all those places in orlando that aren't disney Mm -hmm. so that was really helpful and i had a friend that went with us on this vacation and she had bought exploring orlando not disney or whatever something like that it was a slightly different thing and she said oh I never would have thought to look at the public library for that. And I said, oh, why not? Because <laughs> I work at the public library. You hear about it all the time. Why would you never think of that? Mm-hmm. So now she's going to think of that. Mm-hmm. And the chapter on the Kennedy Space Center in my book was 10 times better than the section on the Kennedy <laughs> Space Center in the book she had paid for. Mm-hmm. So, And those was, books aren't cheap. No, they're not. Yeah. That's like a... A one-time use type Pretty of thing, much. and you're yeah. paying like $50 well, for it. And, yeah. you know, if you do end up going back to that place five years from now, mm-hmm. you need the new edition. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not the five-year-old edition like you bought the first time. So yeah. go to your public library to get your travel books. And if they don't have what you want, ask them if you can get it from somewhere else. There's a library out there that has them. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're a relatively small library. We Mm -hmm. don't have everything. So we're not going to have a travel book about every destination. Mm -hmm. But we do try to have a variety of things for people. So, you know, come check us out. If we don't have it, we'll see if we can get it for you. And also yeah. check out Mango Languages. Absolutely. If, if you're going to a place where they speak a different language, yes. you can learn. Mm-hmm. At least right a few little phrases. Yeah. The important ones. Yes. <laughs> Where's the bathroom? Yes. <laughs> Get me out of here. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. How much is that? How much is that? <laughs> is this spicy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. And how do I get back to my hotel? <laughs> hmm. All right. Okay. Well, that was an exciting episode. It was exciting. This episode is nonfiction in and of itself, <laughs> by the way. Oh, my goodness. It is. It is a nonfiction As podcast. Is every episode of the, the, the podcast. So, all right. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.